Neil Kirby, lovely check. Kirby, 1-0. Another one plucked from the top draw from Frank Kirby. Welcome to Fran Kirby's Fight Club. I am Andre Carlisle and I am here with Mariam. Mariam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty pretty good. Uh, I was feeling a little lonely actually before we started recording because somebody <laughs> forgot about me and forgot that we were meant to be recording. Um but I'm I'm feeling much better now, especially since, you know, you had a really sweet excuse, which is that you were working on your other podcast. So how can we really be angry or upset? <laughs> put me on blast uh no what was it wasn't work it it was it was the washington spirit uh they announced a new interim coach so um i was preoccupied trying to figure out who who is this man and who's what's what's going to happen what can we expect all of that business and i lost track of time so apologies on the record my bad yeah i'm sure you won't mind for the for the people because we're still going to upload this at a normal time it's just me and my little broken heart (laughs) Well, we will will try to uh, mend your broken heart by talking about Chelsea, the Chelsea women's team. Uh, We're going to go through a few, I guess call them segments, but we're really not going to break them up too much. It's really just a way for us to guide conversation. So we're going to kind of talk about new signings. Um, We're also going to talk about like potential new signings that that have come up. Um, There are rumors, rumors that I, one in particular that I am very excited about, but there are rumors (laughs) Um, we're going to round up some of the preseason. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about Chelsea's appearance in Portland at the ICC. And we're going to talk about the other preseason match that we know went on against Spurs. Um, and then we're going to kind of look ahead to the 2022-2023 WSL season and also the Champions League because that is the target, I, I would assume. I'm going to mm-hmm. assume. I'm going to assume Emma still wants to win that trophy. Um it, it, did I miss anything, Miriam? Should should we add anything to the list? I think that's pretty good, and I think you mentioned um, the segments. That's definitely the way to go, and and a good way to start, I think, is by talking about the transfer stuff because we, although we did mention it in the last episode, obviously a lot, a lot of interesting things have happened since then. So I think that would be a good thing to to start on before we talk about the preseason games. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think. I think, you know, on, on episode what, episode one of season three, which is just, again, oh, wow. wild season three, um, we, we discussed pretty in-depth uh, Khadija Buchanan, F. Perise, uh Katarina Svitkova, and Lucy Watson in the last podcast. We know kind of what to expect from, from them. So if you want our overview over there, uh, please listen to the first episode. But uh, I will reiterate that I am massively excited for Khadija Buchanan and hope that her injury that she picked up uh, that saw her withdraw from the Canada national team for this upcoming international break, hoping it's nothing major. Um, it doesn't seem like it is, but we're just kind of going to wait and find out because she is an excellent center back, <laughs> one of the best in the world. And it's wild that people don't know that she's one of the best in the world, but they're about to find out. Yeah, I, th- I think if, you, if you're not if you're not watching specific players internationally, it's really hard to, to notice how they might fit into the squad or even like what their specific talents or specialist areas are um but actually the pod that we had last week we really went into depth on each of those players so definitely listening to that one would be a good way to start um but as i was saying since then we had a couple of pretty big things happen um 
couple are still rumoured, but one of the main ones, which was the signing of Yelena Kankovic, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> you know what's funny? Before we got on, I, try, I, I needed to listen to uh, Chelsea's <laughs> video again of her saying her name. And so she says Yelena, and it sounds like Shankovic or Shankovic. I think that there's no Shankovic. itch on the end. It's Jankovic. I just know that someone is gonna is going to follow up this podcast and be like, "You didn't pronounce it right. You keep oh, saying yeah. it." Oh yeah. I mean, there's. I'm even sure I'm saying the A wrong because I think it's a soft A. I think it's a Chankovic. So, but I I don't. I honestly <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, Yelena. We'll we'll get it right. <laughs> Maybe we definitely know that the first name is right, right? but we can't just call yes. her Yelena because we don't know her. We don't like her first name basis. <laughs> facts, facts. So yeah, I. I this is, to me, this is one of the most interesting signings this summer, only because, like, I know what to expect from Khadijah Buchanan. She's been excellent. I'm expecting her to be excellent as a center back, whether she's in a two or a three. If Perise, I think the same thing. I think she is a very solid right back. I think she may be able to, you know, I didn't know that Emma Hayes kind of flipped her to left from time to time. Hopefully she can stay on the right the majority of the time. Svitkova, we haven't seen a ton of, but I think we know, given her past WSL experience with West Ham, that you kind of know what to expect. And Lucy Watson's already on loan. Kankovic. Mm -hmm. Dang it, I, I said the wrong name. <laughs> said it the way that I was going to say it all the time, and I was like, don't say it that way. Um, she's like, her career is interesting to me because, like, in 2013, 2014, I believe, she was with Barcelona. Yep. And then she kind of bounced around at teams like Hungary and Serbia. And then, you know, she, she's been, you know, in the Swedish league and producing very well for a midfielder. And <laughs> Miriam, I have to ask you, did you watch the two minute and I think it's 19 second highlight clip of her? I did not. However, I did read a really interesting piece from um, someone who works in the industry and they did a profile mm -hmm. on her and they, they talk about her in a midfield sense in terms of her goal scoring, which is something that was quite prominent and something that Emma Hayes even mentioned um, in a midfield sense. And also the fact that she's pretty much, um, I think she's been a league champion in all of the, the clubs <laughs> she's played with. So I think she got it with yeah. Barcelona, she's got it in Sweden um, she's got, I think it's four countries. So it, when you say that it's a really interesting player, you're right, because she's someone who hops around a lot, but everywhere she goes, she plays incredibly. It's quite perplexing. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's funny because it's almost like the Pernilla Harder thing. Pernilla Harder won everything, or most things, not the Champions League yet, uh, with Wolfsburg and, you know, then comes here and wins, you know, multiple domestic titles. So we just kind of collect players who have a habit of winning domestic titles which is hilarious and, and great and surely certainly certainly a big part of recruitment like you don't even make the list unless you got some trophies it seems um but but i think with with shankovic i'm, I'm I, I gotta figure out how to say <laughs> you might have to just so say elena to you might have to and, and hope she forgives us for calling i know her. right i might just have to go to kankovic because that's what i thought it was the entire time uh so apologies we we again Again, trying to get it right. Um, yeah, that. The, so the highlight video that I'm talking about, and you should definitely see it. We may drop it in the show notes in case people haven't seen it. But it is just two minutes and almost 20 seconds of her being outrageous in midfield. She has very, very good feet, very, very like quick feet, quick thought, the ability to do and identify teammates and play very good passes to teammates from a variety of angles and with any part of her foot. So I'm talking specifically like back heels, flicks, everything. 
I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> Who is this? Why haven't I heard? Like, why isn't she like in the top something? Whenever those top list of players come out. And then you kind of realize like it's 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 really up to level of competition and where mm-hmm. she's at. You know, the, the it's she is I believe she just turned 26, if that is correct. Um, it's just it's a weird career arc, I believe. And I don't quite know what to, she just turned 27 or she, she'll. Ooh, yeah, she just turned 27, August 13th. So, she, yeah, she was 26. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be like right place, right time. We know that for fit, it almost seems like she's going to replace G. Mm -hmm. G started out as a central attacking midfielder, was really central to everything that Chelsea did for so many years since she got there and, you know, elected to go back to South Korea after her time with Chelsea this offseason. And that was great. We missed G quite a bit. And and I love that we were able to give her a send off and send her off with some trophies because that's what we do. But it seems like that hole and and midfield like. Yelena is perfectly fit to like fill in that role of being a creative force. And we know that like Emma Hayes pushed G deeper as, you know, the past couple of seasons. And I think that's really where um, Elena feels more comfortable on the pitch as well. She's not really a classic number 10 sit in that half space above the box. She likes to get into midfield um, kind of like that, that space in between the attacking third and the middle third and kind of float around there and be able to pick passes from that area. So to me, this seems like a perfect G replacement. What about you? I think you are right in saying that often, you know, we sign players who actually need a little bit of time. They might need a couple of seasons to gel into the squad. But here is a player who's pretty much done everything, like all the training, all the qualifications possibly necessary to to be starting in this Chelsea side. She's done it. I mean, she's won a championship in all of her first six seasons of senior football. You know, she's played at all the top clubs, whether it's in Sweden or in Spain. And you are right about the element of midfield creativity. And I know that, know that Chelsea were looking for profiles like that. Um, another sort of, you know, element in terms of other midfield signings like Svitkova, um, Again, Emma Hayes is is really focusing on that hole. You know, she knows that there's a gap there. She knows that the the role that G was playing was so special because not only was G able to provide, um, you know, a route to possession through to attack, but she was also able to be in that shadow striker role. And it was so helpful for Fran Kirby to then have the freedom to push forward. And I think... Hayes knows she needs a player who can do that, who can all do all those elements. And maybe perhaps um, thinking about the situation with Melanie Loipoltz. Gosh, there's another name that's hard to pronounce. Um, and that situation as well, because um, Helena is someone who who has that, cap- that capability to be versatile, not just in that position that G plays, but maybe slightly further around. So I think I think when you think about profiles, um, she, yeah, you're right. She fits it. She fits it not just because of what what we might um, need her to do, but also what she's able to do beyond that. And I think that's something that's really quite attractive um, in terms of a summer signing. Yeah. And so I, I, this is why I think she's so intriguing as well, because I think she does like she has perfectly crafted fit. It just really depends on if she's going to be able to like get up to speed with the team, the pace of play in the WSL, which is a step up from the, the Swedish league, the I was going to try and say that name, but I just thought to myself, (laughs) why would you keep trying to say more names that you can't say? Um, uh, It's funny because I could say it very well in my head, but I just do not trust it. I I have little faith in the in the circuitry between my head and what comes out of my mouth. And that's unfortunate. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I think, 
you know, we, we know Magda Erickson came from there. We know that other players, you know, Pernella Harder played played there for a while. We know Musovic came from there as well. So, like, we we do trust players' ability to perform there. And, of course, Pernella Harder was at Wolfsburg for a number of years before she came to Chelsea. But still, she she put herself on the map with her performances there and then continued at Wolfsburg. So, I, I'm, I'm excited. It's not like the level of competition in the Swedish league is, like, tiers below. It's a very competitive league. I think she was on a very good team in Rosengard. I think that like you look at, you know, the top teams there, she's, she won the championship, I think twice with them. Um, so like you're looking at a player who is used to competing at a top level in a domestic league and producing, I think her numbers are kind of ridiculous. You know, you mentioned them before, but it's, it's worth mentioning them again and talking about them throughout the season because she has been a productive player for Rosengard from midfield in a, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I mean, look, 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 in, in 20, like she started with Rosengard in 2019 and three goals, one assist in her first season. Built on that, had six goals, one assist in her second season. Third season, eight goals, two assists. And then uh, before she left this season, she only played and had seven appearances, but she had six starts and already did, has has put in three goals and delivered one assist. So to me, it's it's her vision, is the way that she mm-hmm. kind of knows to and well, I guess this is this is the singular question I have about her and how she's gonna fit into the team. Is does she need to be like somebody who's on the end of chances to score chances, or is she gonna be comfortable with so many attacking players around her where her main her, like she can be more of a distributor because that's kind of what we're looking for. Like we got Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr, Pinella Harder, go right. And like, we have a lot of attackers that we can put on the pitch really need somebody to be able to take the ball from midfield and feed the ball to them in good spaces. And I'm excited about that because it does seem like that's a big part of her game as well. Even though the assist numbers aren't outrageous, you know, one, two, two a season is the max with Rosengar, but you're looking at like, I kind of go back to that highlight run. I know, I know, I know. Looking at highlight reels is really a bad thing. (laughs) You know, it's it's hand-picked stats, uh, or not stats, but hand-picked clips that can make you very, very excited. But she has so many where a player's running at her, you know, trying to press her, and she just has very clever, quick feet to get around them. You know, whether it's like dragging the ball behind her leg and then scooting it forward or, you know, somebody's coming and she does like a back hill pass to some. There was one that made me lose my mind. <laughs> she had a defender pinned to her back and she is controlling the ball. There's um in the box, probably like mm, 10 yards away from her or something, but but to the kind of to her as she was positioned to her right. And she spotted their run, diagonal run into space in the right side of the box. And what she did is she dragged the ball behind her and did a back heel assist through ball oh my gosh. between the legs of a defender. <laughs> and it was perfect. And it was an assist. It was, it was very, very good. And I was like, listen, don't show me these things because I'm going to get <laughs> way too excited. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's the thing that you are right. Like it's, it's hard to, to not be excited when you see things like that. But at the same time, that's just a small part of what she's capable of. Her creativeness in, in the midfield is something that I think, will will be really helpful for the role that she's playing in but then is that as you were saying the whole big fish little pond situation is she going to be comfortable with just 
shoring up that space because G had to G really transitioned. She had a, a really attacking role, and in the second half of the season, um, she then adopted a bit deeper as sort of the, maybe the deepest lying attacker next to Lopold. So it's possible that that role that um, that Yelena will end up playing could be very transitional and and very sort of versatile, and and she might have to play a lot of different positions, but. When you have someone like that, it makes it so much easier for the players in front of us. And I always felt like there were issues at times where our, our midfield wasn't allowing the front three to to unlock. When we had spells where we were finding it difficult to score goals, and I wonder whether this this is a signing that could unlock all of that. Um, and it's very exciting. Like you know, we've made I think it's six signings or six including her or six without her, but. Each and every one of those signings are just like sort of, you know, maybe barring Lucy Watson, are just like this one. There's a clear intention from Emma Hayes to to get to the next level. And it's something that we spoke about at the end of last season. What is the next level for Chelsea? And as you say, it's got to be the Champions League. And these players have to be the players that take us to that. Yeah, and I, and I like what you said there. I mean, I, I do think that that's exactly it. You know, we have had problems, you know, whether it's trying to break down a low block or whether it's going against the team who's putting us under a lot of pressure, you know, just being able to find that release valve player or when they're, when we're facing pressure or when we're breaking down a low block, that player who's going to be able to have the vision to send in the through ball because we have so many attackers. You know, recent, you know, in the past, we've had to have, you know, Fran Kirby or Pernilla Harder or somebody come come deep mm. and, you know, come into midfield to start doing that creative role because they're just bunched up. You know, there are too many bunched up. But now I think with somebody like like Yelena, there's a possibility. And this is where, like, I'm with you. I'm very excited because of the potential <laughs> of what mm-hmm. this could be, given how her game, like, I just her general creativity in the way that she plays makes me very excited because we don't really have a player with that profile, particularly since G left. And it seems like she really wants to be able to create opportunities for teammates to be able to make the that pass that gets them running into space, which is exactly what we need. So I'm very, very excited about that aspect of it. And I've been like cautious because there will be a learning curve, but I'm also hoping like she's at an age where, you know, I would be, I think I would, I'll say this, I, and this may be completely wrong, but I, I think I'd be more concerned with her step up if she was like a 21, 22-year-old player. Mm-hmm. The fact that she just turned 27, to me, kind of details that there's been a maturity process. She's kind of, she's played a lot of international football as well. She's kind of used to, you know, a more physical game and should be able to withstand that. But it, it to me, it's a matter of her own pace. Like, is she going to be able to keep up and get into those gaps when they when they open up? Because the pace of play is is a little different than what she may be used to, particularly in the Champions League later rounds, which we expect to be in. So that's that's to me the thing. But I'll tell you this: she also already came with a little a, a little opportunity to laugh at Arsenal once again, <laughs> which <laughs> to me that's... just makes us feel so much better. <laughs> That's Even all more you can all you can really ask for is just an opportunity to laugh at Arsenal and <laughs> and how can you pass it up? But just to touch on what you just said, I just I just had a thought and it's like, um, although it kind of seems like everything's lining up and the stars are aligned with all of our signings, it's it's really not because it's it's Emma Hayes and her recruitment team and yeah. you know the word profile has been thrown around a lot within the club, but it's exactly that. We are finding players that exactly fit our problems so that those problems can be resolved and it's such a clinical and kind of scary way of, of 
of upgrading that I feel really com- confident and I feel really excited about the trajectory of where this club is going. I feel that we have we are doing things that are working on our weaknesses and and maybe that much um was hard to see a little bit and you know we just had a couple of preseason games losing to Leon on penalties but then I I felt like the Portland game that was really interesting especially in the first half because we were finding it really difficult to to break down and to and to push through and and find those gaps but I think it was after half time and I think Portland made a couple of changes and it just completely went to a more transitional game and it was it was so it opened up the Chelsea team with so much speed and I just think that if we had the players that we've signed that you know the right recruitments it's going to make it so much easier for us to be even more of a counter-attacking side and I can just see that causing so much havoc in the WSL and to an extent in the Champions League too. Yeah, that's a very good point. So yeah, let's let's move on and talk about the preseason a bit. I, I did want to explain the Arsenal thing to people. In case you don't know, uh, Arsenal and Chelsea both um, committed to triggering the release clause for Yelena uh, with Rosengard. And even though Jonas Eideval, who currently manages Arsenal, was <laughs> her coach with Rosengard before he came over to Arsenal, it did not matter. She chose Chelsea anyway, and that mm-hmm. just makes me very, very happy. So thank you for giving us that bit. Uh, in the battle between Arsenal because it's very exciting and all and anytime you get and I also wonder like what does she know does she just want a new (laughs) challenge or is she like "Mm, I don't like your style of coaching I don't know it's interesting um but yeah let's go to the to the to the ICC uh the Women's International Champions Cup so it's called it was held in Portland um had Rayadas which is a team from Liga and Mekis Femenil down in Mexico had Chelsea, had Lyon, and it had Portland Thorns in the NWSL. And um, yeah, Chelsea started off with the big gun. Champions League winners, Lyon. Mm-hmm. Went up 2-0 on them. For the first hour, it was all Chelsea. All Chelsea. Their goals from Sam Kerr, which a ridiculous chip from Sam Kerr, by the way. I, cannot, I just have to stop you. I have to really stop you because I cannot <laughs> believe the audacity to do that in a preseason yes. game. Like, not even, I might want to save this for like a real game. I mean, I'm not saying this is a real game, you know <laughs> what I mean. But she just she just had that, you know, that was that was just like a light thing. I'm, I'm getting so excited just by seeing it. But <laughs> if you haven't seen that goal, just, just go and watch it and consider the context and the circumstances and then just consider how crazy it's just it blew my mind I really had to stop you just so I could say that no I'm glad you did because also I want people to consider the goalkeeper she bid it against oh yes exactly didn't even think about mentioning that (laughs) yeah that's Christian Endler who even Emma Hayes herself says is one of the best probably the best goalkeeper in the world like that is that is no slouch goalkeeper she's also quite tall so to Mm -hmm. chip her the way that Sam Kerr did which by the way an excellent over-the-top ball from Aaron Cuthbert from deep in midfield. Like, if that's Aaron Cuthbert transitioning into being, like, a legitimate, real, like, she always wants to play in center midfield, and we've kind of used her as a utility player. Now it seems like the way that we've been playing her is firmly in midfield, and it's been great. Mm -hmm. Um, I love having her in midfield because she offers so much. Uh, Second goal in that game was scored by Lauren James. Remember her? Remember when people were like, hey, Lauren James wasting her, her career going to Chelsea. Uh, 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 we got plans. We got plans. And we're starting to see them. And I love it. Uh, Leon did 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 end up equalizing, scored two late goals after a lot of subbing from both sides, to be fair. Uh, but Chelsea rotated quite heavily. And then in the ICC, you go straight to penalties. And it was 4-3 to Leon in penalties. So they moved on, which meant that Chelsea got to play Portland, uh, which was a very interesting match in the match that Miriam just talked about. 
uh, 1-0 um, from uh, against Portland. Guo Wrighton scored in the second half. Uh, Khadija Buchanan was excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things where I'm not going to go on too much of a rant here because if you know anything about me or my or me on Twitter or anything I write, I yell about a Women's Club World Cup all the time. I want to see it, and I want to see it particularly for matchups like this. The way that Portland plays is very different to the way that a lot of teams in Europe play. Um, they are very intense. They press hard. They press high. Uh, they're all over the place. And for a minute, it was difficult for Chelsea to really cope with that. The good news was the defense was solid enough. And I think a large part of that was Khadija Buchanan because there were times when you had a player like Sophia Smith, who, if y'all don't know, she is one of the, she doesn't get credit for it, but she is one of the strongest attacking players I think in the game, she is very difficult to get off the ball. To knock her off balance is very, very hard. And there were a number of times when Khadija Buchanan kept up with her in a one-on-one foot race, and times where she won a battle going shoulder to shoulder, which does not happen very often. Sophia Smith is very, very, very hard but to knock just, off the ball. That's kind of crazy, though, because I, I was actually reading up on this, and aren't Portland in the middle of their season, whereas Chelsea are in their preseason? Oh, yeah, this is also so why I say we need a like, Club World Cup because of this. So <laughs> I, one of the teams is in, in the middle of their campaign and the others just started their preseason. Like the fitness comparison shouldn't be like on par, but, it, you know, I felt like the team did really well to, to keep up physically in a sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is this is why we need a Club World Cup, because we have to figure out a way when these teams can can meet to where the preseason thing isn't exactly an excuse for one team mm-hmm. or a reason. And the only reason I say that is because I think that if you look at a team like Lyon and you look at a team like Chelsea, their approach to the game was not really preseason. Obviously, you have a difference in fitness level since everybody is coming back from a break. But you look at those 11s, they were not second 11s. <laughs> you know, those those were like meant to be very, very strong teams up against one another. But there is that difference natural difference in between one team being in the middle of the season and one team just starting a season. So absolutely, uh, that is the difference. But I would love to see two teams that have had some regular season games under their belt go against one another. So I've been like very interested to see how that would go. But regardless, I think Chelsea did a great job. Um, they withstood the pressure. They didn't concede, uh, which is a difficult thing to do against a fully, a fully functioning uh Portland team. So it was exciting. And then um, I think this past weekend, it was another, I think Chelsea actually did two sets of um, preseason games. I think, um, and I don't really know how Emma Hayes divvied up the squad, but I think they played one game early in the day and another game later at night. Uh, The game later at night was against Spurs. That's the one they posted a lot of highlights Mm -hmm. of. I believe the game earlier in the day was against the Chelsea, like U18 boys team, uh, which they won as well. So it's just, uh, and then, oh yeah, the game against Spurs was 2-0. Pernilla Harder apparently scored in the 15th minute and Lauren James in the 40th. Um, Miriam, out of all of those preseason games, was there anything that caught your eye or did you learn anything so far from these games in terms of how we might approach the season? I think the, uh, and we'll probably keep on, you know, touching on it up until we know a bit more about the midfield setup. But I think the defensive element was interesting because we always, I think we always felt like, it would be a back three and, and where now and, and and Buchanan were playing. But I think that Emma Hayes wasn't, again, wasn't sort of afraid to experiment more than that. And, you know, she talked about in her post-match conference against Portland about needing another layer of tactical clarity 
And I think that it's so sort of refreshing and insightful to see that she's able to do that within the team. So clearly she knows that there's scope for both a back three and and, and a back four in some sense, where where sort of Buchanan fits into that. Um, and I think that the games against Leon and then the games against Portland and following, you could see that there was a shift. There was a clear sort of understanding that this is what we can trial. Um, I still think you are right when you mentioned the back three, because I think that that's our strongest formation. It was the kind of formation that got us through the end of last season. And and the way that the midfield is shaping up, if we are going to have Helena in the middle or if we have Svitkova playing, I feel more confident about the back three because I know that the sort of the deepest line defensive midfielders are going to really help protect us in the sense that I think we've maybe lacked a little bit ever since Lloyd Bolt's left. So I think defensively, I'm I'm sort of quite intrigued. Um, and I think I'm probably going to need a little bit more time on our midfield because we still have time to sign more players, um, hint, hint. Um, and I just feel that maybe even Chelsea might not be a bit sure about how they're starting. But I I think that the entire course of the preseason games, we've really tried out a lot of different things. And I think physically and tactically, this is the time for the experimentation. I think maybe in previous seasons, we've seen Hayes do that experimentation like during the WSL. But I think it's really good that we've had this new group come in and gel within the preseason because I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. I I still don't know. It's hard for me to guess how we're going to play. I think if we had to, if we don't sign any other players, I think I'd expect a back three to continue. But I also don't know because it does seem like we are very much trying to get in another player, not just another player, but another midfielder, and not just another mm-hmm. midfielder, another defensive midfielder. Or so, or maybe I should say a defensive midfielder. <laughs> I think, you know, Aaron Cuthbert to me is more of a central midfielder. I don't think she she should be a defensive midfielder. Um, I know Sophie Engel is more in the in the mold of a defensive midfielder, but I, I don't know if she would be, if we should be relying on her to start regularly in that role. So, uh, which is why I think we often go for a pivot uh, situation. So, um Let's talk about it because Grace Garioro for PSG Ooh. is on the record about wanting to join Chelsea. She did some interviews or some talking to some journalists over there in France. And she basically said, you know, Chelsea, you're after me. There's no secret. And I'm excited about the opportunity. She wants the team to kind of agree to let her go. And so far, there is no agreement, but Chelsea is pushing. The transfer deadline in the WSL is not until the 8th of September. So we still have just under a week to get this done. Hopefully, for me, me personally, we can, which kind of gives away the the what I'm going to ask, where I stand on what I'm about to ask Mariam. But on a scale of, eh, that'd be fun to, oh my God, losing your mind. Uh, where would you be if we signed Gayora? I just, just, I'm like, just even talking about it is making me smile. It's really exciting. Like having watched her pretty much across the Euros where I was working and I saw her live so many times, this girl is wicked fast, like insanely. I don't just mean straight line speed. I mean, around corners, agile, able to move so quickly. I just think it will take our attack at the moment. You know, if we really want to achieve the peak level of of counter-attacking, um, fast-paced attacks, the way that we know that Barcelona and Leon do, I just think you add her into the mix and you go from like, you know, like a 75 to to 100. And and as you say, although we don't have any sort of clear 
records and if, if that's going ahead l'equipe have um have said that chelsea are looking to make a bid that would see them double the record fee they paid for Penel Harder. i think they're looking at 500,000 euros and when when the rumors are that they're looking to chill out that amount you can see that clearly there's a want there is a strong intent and one thing that's interesting to me is, as you say gayero said herself that she's interested in chelsea and it was that mentality that got Svitkova signed from West Ham. She was a big Chelsea fan. She wanted to go to Chelsea. Um, I think Emma Hayes is very keen on signing players that have a, a attraction to joining the club and understand the club's philosophies and 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 ideas and and ambitions. So if it if it happened, I I just feel like I would be even more excited than what we have already because it's it's like it's it's an even higher intention to get to the next level and i feel really strongly about our ability to compete against the likes of barcelona leon wolfsburg um teams that have really set us back you know we 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 sort of considered the champions league campaign last season it was really disappointing you know losing 4-0 to to wolfsburg drawing two all to juventus and even you know in hindsight the campaign where we got to the final we had those issues again against Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich um, in the knockout stages, and I just feel like this will take our attack to the next level. And I keep saying that, but you can only know if you've seen her play in person, if you've seen her play as part of, part of the French team, and if you see her play in the WSL. So I really, 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 really hope it happens because I just think that it would do so much for us. And when there are two things that want to come to each other, you know, she wants to come to Chelsea, Chelsea want her... It's it's I think it's even more damaging to to be in the middle, um, because it's just you know either she goes back she goes back to to Leon and she's just not happy and it's really awful for them, and you know it ruins our tactical approach and we have to rethink about signing another player. So this is just made made to be like you know it's kind of like the star cross lover situation. Just just let it happen. Don't get in the way. You know, fate no. <laughs> Yes. I agree, PSG. Don't get in the way. But if there's a handful of clubs around the around the league, it doesn't matter whether it's the men's team or the or, or the women's team. One team that doesn't need the money is PSG. So I don't know if we're going to convince them from that. But I mean, also she very much wants to go and is now public on the record with wanting to go. So it really seems like she's pushing. As excited as I would be to sign her, I, I kind of have a head versus heart situation and brewing within me when it comes to how she would actually fit within Chelsea, Mm -hmm. particularly as a defensive midfielder. We know throughout the, you know, uh, for PSG last season, she was their captain, um, played between defensive midfield and center midfield, started the the season as just a central midfielder around kind of uh, right around December, started transitioning to being kind of exclusively a defensive midfielder. There are a couple center mid performances in there as well. Um, We know for her uh, national team for France, she plays as a center midfielder, so she can play both roles. My question to you is given the needs of Chelsea, which is a strong defensive midfielder, or is it? Can we do a lot of rotation if we have somebody like, you know, Yelena in there with Aaron Cuthbert with uh, Gayoro. So the question is kind of like, do you think it's a problem that she's not an exclusive defensive midfielder? Or do you see that versatility as being something that could work for Chelsea given multiple styles of play? It's like, it's one of those things. Like, is she that good that we just sign her and then think of those problems later? Or, <laughs> you so. know, um, it's it's a difficult one. I think you're right about 
elements of the midfield that can become more defensive. Definitely Cuthbert, she's very capable of playing in that role. I think Svitkova is another because before she started playing as a wing-back and that's where she kind of developed her West Ham in an attacking sense, she was another player, very versatile, playing across the midfield, you know, as a number eight, number six. Um, she is capable of being more defensive. And I think, as we've already said so much about Yelena, she can also possess that amount. It's kind of like, but do you want to limit that person? Do we want to push Yelena into a more defensive role just because we have grace? It's it's a real, it's a problem. It's, it's, it's a good problem for Emma Hayes, but but is she willing to, to risk the balance that the team are, are progressing and developing just to sign a player for, you know, for an amazing amount of money just to to have that extra element of attack it's not like our attack is lacking at the moment but you then think if if she was brought in does that mean we have to then push out one of the front sort of attackers if she brings in a more attacking sense so oh it's it's really hard it's like somebody's gonna lose in this situation if we bring her in someone else is gonna either have to play in a position they don't want to or in a formation that's not good for somebody else and it's just it's really hard. It's it's not hard to envision like where she would play. It's in it's hard to envision how the rest of the team adapts around her. I think I think she's one of those signings. Yeah, and I think there might also be similar to again not to not to make direct comparisons with men's football because I always hate when people do that. But you know there is a situation where N'Golo Kante on the men's side he was brought in and you know early on especially with uh, I believe it was <laughs> sorry the manager that was there the Italian dude who smoked cigarettes all day. Um, he used Conte as more of an eight with a lot of freedom and people were screaming, you know, put him back at the six. He needs to be a six. And it was like, uh, you're kind of not understanding the qualities that this player has. And we've been able to see now over multiple coaches since where he actually can do that eight role. And he's very good at being able to be a box to box player. And that's what you want, particularly if you're going to be a strong counter pressing team. Uh, you kind of want him more than just at the base of midfield. You want him higher up winning the ball. And I think it's the same thing with Gallardo because we have seen, uh, particularly in that Euros game, uh, France versus Italy, she tore oh, Italy gosh. to pieces with those late runs. She had a hat trick in the first half. I mean, she was just everywhere in that match, especially in the first half. And she was exceptional in that match. So I think that we might have a similar problem, though, is trying to figure out how do we get the best out of her and how do we fit pieces around her? So I definitely agree. Um, one thing that could make that you know, not a thing to have to consider is Chelsea apparently reportedly are also interested in some more traditional defensive midfielders. Amandine Henri has been talked about a couple times. That's kind of cooled off recently, but a name that was floated around in rumors pretty heavily around, I, I believe in July. Uh, Kara Walsh is also another player with mm. Manchester City. I cannot see City letting her go, particularly to us, but because uh, Barcelona is apparently also chasing Walsh too. Um, it does. There are reports that Walsh does want to leave Manchester City. So whether she stays in England or whether she goes to Barcelona, don't know. But it seems like an exit is very, very possible before the end of the transfer window. Um, given those other names to add to the list, does that change your thinking on Gayoro? Would you prefer one of these other players? Kira Walsh is incredibly attractive to me. I mean, in a, in a footballing sense, sorry, that, that came out really long. <laughs> I got um, it. <laughs> I mean, she's really good looking too. Um, but just because, I mean, I already, I already knew she was a really good player for Man City, but obviously seeing her for England in the Euros, it's just, it cemented that belief. Like, just 
she plays that role to such a good level that you often don't even notice she's there. Um, and I felt that way about Fran Kirby for England as well. And I think that she she's the perfect fit for that role. You know, she just stays in that spot. She's able to control possession. Uh, I think she was a big part of England's attacking setup by 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 doing just that in the in the midfield spot and allowing Fran Kirby to play a little bit higher up. Um, so that that's an incredibly you know attractive signing for me. But again, I don't see why why City would let. Not only just let her let her come to us, but also understanding that if she came to us, it's it's improving our team. You know, it's taking us to the next level. It would really be doing damage to their title reputations. So, I don't see that happening. It's more likely she'll go to Barcelona. I mean, bronze has um, been there before, and it just seems like um, it just seems like it would be quite difficult to get to her. But then, if it's not um, a problem of money, because they're clearly you know happy to almost shell out five hundred thousand for Gayoro you know, it's possible still to, to attract her. So Walsh would be like the the ideal fit, I think. Um, Henri, kind of, maybe, but as you say, it doesn't seem like the rumours towards that are especially strong. Um, so I, I would prefer Walsh, but I think if if we're getting Gayoro, then maybe we just have to kind of play some tactical Tetris and, and just really figure out where exactly she'll fit and not just her but also where everyone else will be happy as well it's a good thing though it's like it's it's depth right we finally have enough attacking depth enough midfield depth to to have issues where we're like we don't know where everyone will fit so it's not altogether a bad problem yeah and I think you know I, I kind of agree with you I even though you know the other team in the handful of teams that don't need any more money is Manchester City add them mm-hmm. to the list of PSG who do not so it will be interesting to see what they choose to do with Kira Walsh how loud she might have to get about leaving I also am like with with England winning the Euros and just how many fans are lined up you know season tickets are just like selling out left and right on teams and you love to see it I just wonder if she would want to stay in England a little bit just to see, like, what is the aftermath of them winning? What does that actually look like game to game in a domestic league? And obviously she can see that with City. I also wonder if she would be interested to see that, like, with Chelsea. But I'm kind of with you. If she leaves, I lean towards her going to Barcelona. I think, one, if she leaves and goes to Chelsea, that just is a really bad look for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Losing a player like her to Chelsea, that kind of lets them know you're you're in the lower tier. You're not in our level. You're not at our level. And that is not at all the message they want to send. Um, between her and Henri, I think Henri is amazing. I think what she did against Barcelona was just absolutely outrageous. Mm-hmm. Shutting down that midfield and a, and a two with Lindsay Horan is just really, really difficult to do. The goal she scored was outrageous. Uh, but she is also 32, whereas Kara Walsh is 25. Mm-hmm. And I think Walsh also in the Euros, you saw her passing range. I, I think that's another thing that they don't take advantage of too much at City is the way that her vertical passing, her ability to break lines. She delivered some ridiculous passes in the Euros. I was like, mm-hmm. hold some on bangers, a second. Real yeah. I was like, we don't see this from you at week in and week out in the WSL. Like, what's going on? Shout out to Gareth Taylor. Um, but yeah, I just <laughs> am very, very interested to see what happens. I do think, though, if I'm looking at all three prospects, it does seem like with Garo being like, I want to leave. I want to go to Chelsea. Saying that publicly it makes her feel like she's the closest. What about you? I think you're right. And like I said, it's about the attraction between these two clubs. She wants to leave. Chelsea are willing to pay a huge amount to, to sign her. 
she'll become the record signing. It seems aligned, but actually it's much more complicated than that because, like I said, once we have her, then it's it's all these problems. Um, obviously, Kira Walsh will be easier to, to deal with tactically. We know exactly where we would play her. Um, and I think you are right in saying that she isn't utilised in that way for, for City. They're so sort of reliant on their wing-backs and, and flank play that it's just kind of increasingly difficult to play central attacking football. But I think if she was with us, then maybe she might have more of an opportunity to to delve into that element. It just seems like that Gioro is, is the one, you know, the closest. It's the easiest one to procure. Like, you know, as you say, transfer window ends next Thursday. So it's the one that could probably be easiest to gain. Whereas I feel like if we were kind of looking for Walsh or even Henri, it's a whole process of paperwork and, and, and agents and even intention. Whereas this seems like a lot of that stuff has already been dealt with. So... I am excited for Grace to be coming to us, hopefully, eventually, maybe. But um, I think there's still a lot to think about beyond that. Yeah, definitely agree. So let, let's let's go and just do just an an overall. We'll go through like the full schedule and talk about things as the season um, really, I guess, kind of gets underway. You know, we, of course, do our match reviews after every match and talk about what happened. Um so we're but we're not going to go too deep into that. This is going to be kind of general or quite general. Um, so for the 2022-2023 WSL season, I'm just going to ask you a straight up question. <laughs> Did our rivals improve? And if so, how much? I think Arsenal at the end of last season, they really, and that's, it's kind of like a worse feeling, like when a team has been hard done by or they feel they've been hard done by. Um, you know, losing that game against Birmingham, which really was the start of the collapse. And and I remember Idabel mentioning it in the last game of the season when I was talking to him. He was really quite hung up over that. And of course the team would be, but it it almost feels like it primes them more to say, you know, that was that was a real sort of unjust situation and now we're gonna really pile things on. So I think that possibly Arsenal are going to look to to strengthen and they've strengthened over the summer. Um, they have they've given their key players contract extensions. You know, Medima's here for another season, uh, Jordan Nobbs and, and and beyond. And it just seems like that's going to be our they're going to be our rivals again. And not to say that City won't, but I, I still feel like under Gareth Taylor, there's such an element of instability and and transitional things happening all the time. And um, and even Ellen White being there, her performances in the Euros were left a little wanting. I think that's no longer a position where she's the strongest pick. Um, and I just feel like there are areas, and Lucy Bronze obviously now headed off as well, there are areas where they're losing a lot of players and I don't think that they're going to be the strongest outfit. So definitely Arsenal. Um, maybe keep a, keep a sneaky eye on Spurs and United. Um, both teams were, I think, are at the same level, but I feel like Spurs have definitely been the ones to improve a lot more. Unfortunately, they were just a little short at the end of last season, the, the tail end where they, they let things go, but they were doing so well up until then to be in third behind Arsenal. So I, I do think that once again, it's going to be a two-horse race. But is it going to go down to the final day of the season like it did um, the season just gone? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll be too strong. Maybe we'll blow them away completely. But it's. I think it's too hard to call. But I do think that it will just be us and Arsenal again. I think Man City need to kind of have a real sort of mental chat for themselves about what they're doing in the transfer window and what they're going to be doing with Gareth Taylor because I don't I don't think there's enough that he's done to really cement his position as as a person who should be taking the team forward um 
it sounds harsh, but that, that's just what I, I feel. And I think that City could do really well if they looked uh, to bring into more experience. Um, so, yeah, have our rivals improved? Um, maybe maybe Arsenal, but maybe that improvement is just that they're really sort of sour about how last season went. Like, imagine losing to the basement team on the WSL and losing the title. It's just not something I've really experienced before with Chelsea, so I don't really know, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's all spot on. I think honestly, if I'm looking at like biggest improvement, I think the biggest improvement, and I and I kind of got some beef with Serena Vigman about this, is that Beth Mead's confidence is like in the stratosphere. Yeah, like she has been outrageous throughout the Euros. She had a great tournament, and I'm a little worried about her keep keeping that form throughout uh, for Arsenal. So that's where I think they can really improve. You know, we talked about them missing. Uh, um, on on uh, Yelena, who has joined us instead, um, and and that's always exciting. But I do think that they have a strong squad. Getting Viv to stay another year is massive. Um, I don't know if she's going to be gone after this year, though. So it seems like they're going to play that game all over again. Um, so they will. <laughs> it's funny because people said, you know, watch out for Arsenal. You know, Viv's coming to the end of her contract, and if they want to keep her, they have to do well. They have to win a trophy. Well, they didn't. And it doesn't matter. She signed again anyway. So I'm, I don't know how many chances she's going to give them, but I'm assuming at some point you're probably going to have to do something. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. But I'm, I am on the surface. I like some of Manchester City's signings, particularly Dana Castellanos, because mm-hmm. we're familiar with her here in the States. She was very, very good in college, had a very, very good career, very exciting player, played with Atletico Madrid for a little while. Popped up in a Champions League game against Chelsea and made a little bit of noise. Um, She was not that difficult to keep under control. Um, But yeah, so I'm kind of interested in that. But I'm already hearing reports of like him not playing her in a bright and in her correct position, which honestly, who knew? Who knew he would do something (laughs) like that? Um, So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think with Chelsea getting so much stronger, which already had a strong team, I think this was very much needed, especially because you need. It's hard to do what that team did last season. I mean, so hard to do what that team did. Like, you cannot drop a single point. You get into a situation where you can't drop a single point. You get a lead. And even that last, you remember the last day against Manchester United, they were losing that game. Uh, and then yeah. came out and went crazy and ended up winning it. What was it, like 4-2? They were I, winning, so, I think yeah. it was 2-1 at halftime. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was so emotional but also had to be so draining. So I just think that you have to refresh the squad. It's very difficult to say, okay, thanks for doing that. Do it all over again. But I do also think that like having a legitimate preseason, which I think we missed out on a bit last year because of the Olympics. I think this tournament, even though, you know, the Euros still was the, the biggest, you know, Euros tournament to date, and of course, England winning was massive. Fran Kirby was a big part of that as well. So that's great. Um, I think that what I have seen from the team is that they are more ready going into the regular season than they were last season. And mm-hmm. that's when our very first game was against Arsenal and we were not prepared, whereas they had been fighting for their Champions League lives in the qualification rounds, playing competitive football, and we hadn't. Um, so even though we have only played a handful of teams, I think they've all been very like a game against Lyon is always going to be ratcheted up in intensity against Portland. Same thing, intensity. Um, the game against Spurs seems like it was quite intense as well. So 
Um, I wasn't able to watch that one, unfortunately, but read reports and saw um, some of the highlights from it. And especially some of the defensive clearances, I think Nowen and Marimielda both had goal line clearances, which is good. Um, we do have to actually take a minute to say we wish uh, Ann Katrenberger full recovery mm-hmm. from her cancer diagnosis. Frustrated at his back, but like saying that she is um, getting the treatment that she needs and hoping that she is back, whether it's to play football or not, doesn't matter. Just want her to be healthy uh, mm-hmm. as a human. So um, we do want to throw that in there. So there, there are, and actually because of that, we probably should have thought about this in the transfer part, but there was a rumor that Nikki Everard, who um, had mm-hmm. an exceptional tournament in the Euros, uh, there is question that Chelsea might be interested in bringing her to Chelsea as kind of a backup keeper or perhaps starting for that um, that starting role or pushing for that starting role. Um, but we can talk about that later. Uh, let's let's talk. Well, oh, oh, the big question. We have won the WSL three consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. That is absurd to say out loud. Even more absurd to think about how it was done in practice, particularly last year. Can we make it a fourth? This is not even a hard question for me, and I'm not just saying that like as a, as a Chelsea fan. The reason why I'm saying I'm saying yes is because the last three seasons, in some way or the other, they have been unpredictable, and I don't mean just unpredictable for what's happened. I mean for the teams because of COVID. Um, you know, the league was decided on points. Uh, we had an extension of the season before, and then the fact that we had to take it to the last game. I feel like everything that could have gone wrong and could have changed things did and we still won so now we're coming into the season with increased you know squad depth uh, signing some of the best players in the world with the best experience it's almost like not that I, I don't care but I, I think we'll do it easily and I think that the real focus is going to be on the Champions League because domestically we're just we're beginning to really establish ourselves as as you know the champions of the WSL and I don't just mean every year I mean I mean the with a capital T so I just, I just feel like we are stronger than we were in the last couple of seasons, and we won those. So if we can win those, we can win this one. Um, it might be harder in other other elements because of the transfer signings that have been made from other teams. I can't believe I didn't even mention Beth Mead and, and the kind of form she's been in. But I just still feel like it's something that we can cruise to. And I try, trying really hard not to sound like I'm biased or all that. I'm sort of being snobbish, but I just, I just feel it. I feel it inside me, and I feel like the real sort of the real journey this season is and has to be the Champions League because that's the only way I can feel like we have made or we are looking to make progression on our goals because that that's exactly what went wrong last season. We had to really write that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's looking at things, you know, objectively as we can on the Fran Kirby's Fight Club podcast. <laughs> um, it's, it is, given the signings we made, I think we needed depth. And we need a depth that can compete at a high level and get wins, you know, so that our strongest 11 doesn't have to play every single game, particularly group stage games in the Champions League. And then later on in the Champions League, because we know that that's kind of what got us. We had that stretch in December that was awful, you know, lost to Reading, drew at home with Juventus, nil-nil, shouldn't have happened. And then we got absolutely rocked by Wolfsburg away. And that was the end of our Champions League campaign. And that was unfortunate. And if we would have been able to, you know, uh, compete against Reading, perhaps get some, get a goal, you know, with some new, newer legs coming in, you know, keeping the the top players fresh, you know, being able to spread the minutes out a bit more is something that we desperately needed. 
Uh, and I think we have addressed that and addressed it with quality. So that's where I'm kind of with you, where I think that if we manage it right, it looks like we have the squad that is going to be very hard to beat, particularly with our choice of center backs. But um, it's also that in the Champions League, we're kind of built to endure the group stages. Of course, it'll depend somewhat on the draw. But let's move on to the Champions League. First of all, let's laugh at Manchester City because they went out just like they went out last year in the qualifying round. Real Madrid beat them oh, again. Boy. And so no more Champions League football for you. Enjoy enjoy those August Champions League matches because that's all you got for Manchester <laughs> City. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but where are you? Do you think we're prepared for the group stages this time? I think I think we are. And again, it goes back to what Emma Hayes says about profile and the tactical clarity that she's still looking for. Um, in terms of preparation, it's not just that we have the right players, but it's that we are experimenting to deal with the issues that were problems. Um, you know, cast your minds back, and you remember not just last season, but the season before, how we really had problems in opening um, the opening games of two legs, where just the midfield capacity was not there to deal with teams who were highly possessive, who were able to move the ball quickly and recycle quickly and to create attacks. Um, and I think we just couldn't deal with it. We couldn't deal with those players and and having even when we had the double pivot, there was still an issue of where players positionally were aware of what was happening around them. And I just feel like the players that she's picked has been to shore up those issues. Um, where Helena plays, we will have that that element of being able to take possession and, and drive at teams. Where we might have Svitkova playing, whether it's on the wing or on the other side of Erin Cuthbert, she is able to to pick out balls that are, are sort of being threaded through the midfield. Um, against against sort of Juventus, I think that the the Wolfsburg game where we lost four nil. That I didn't. I just felt like Wolfsburg were much better at, in all departments. But the issue for me in the Juventus game, we drew to all was not just sort of the the midfield problem, but also the the inability to break down those teams and find areas and gaps where we could progress in a counter-attacking sense. I just felt like Frank Kirby, he's normally able to find the spaces, was struggling. Guru Wright and didn't have anywhere to come in centrally or, or play in the, the wing areas. And, and maybe that's where Grace fits in. I think it's not just defensively and in midfield sense, but also attackingly. Um, and I think... If we can work on stability and whether that's a back three or four, then maybe that will help us because there's no way we can repeat performances where we're losing 4-0 on the group stage of the Champions League. I, I feel assured in Emma Hayes, you know, this is she's coming into her 11th season with Chelsea and in the last three or four seasons, I feel like I've been the most important. We can only be going up from here and even if there's mistakes made, we, we can develop on those mistakes. So, yes, that's a roundabout way of saying yes, I do feel like we're better prepared. Um but then again, it's about who's in our group because maybe we're in a really horrible group um, and maybe we're in a slightly easier group. Yeah, the draw is definitely going to be the thing. So we'll we'll see what we get there. Um, I, I tend to agree. I think we are prepared for the groups here, much better prepared than we were. Um, of course, it's going to depend on the system we use, um, You know, where, whether we're sticking with the back three or back four um, and kind of what the how the squad depth looks by plugging players in, you know, in kind of a first or I won't say first and second team, but like our strongest 11 and then our second 11, I would say. Um, so we'll see. Um, the big question, of course, as we talked at the top, Emma Hayes wants the Champions League title. We want a Champions League title. We definitely want to see that. We thought Barcelona would run the Champions League for years on end. They got rid of us. They stormed through the group stages. They stormed through 
the qualifying or the knockout rounds that followed until the final. And they ran into Leon and Leon said, guess what? We're Leon. And we talked about that midfield being able to shut down everything that they do. I do think there were ways for Barcelona to win that game. So it's not like they were completely um, wrecked. They still had chances, but uh, Leon got the win and a, and a shocking win for me. I thought it was quite shocking. Um, so it looks like we've got some level of parity happening. And if so, it's kind of between Barcelona and Leon. Can we get back there is the question. Like we got Leon and Barcelona. We also know PSG is a good team, although new coach, always some turmoil there. And especially if they lose their captain, you know, and Guerrero and she's with us, that changes the dynamic of their team a little bit, depending on who they can bring in. Uh, Bayern Munich is doing a lot to build and strengthen their team. And we know Wolfsburg are very dangerous. Are we in that group? Perhaps those are two separate groups, but are we there? I I think we are, but I think that I have to see us play a game in the Champions League to be able to say conclusively um, whether we've reached the level, whether we, there's still a gap. Um, I do feel like the issues that we had before coming up to the final against Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich, I feel like those will be easy to manage, especially, as you say, those teams... Um, those specific issues that we picked out and we've had the we've had enough time in the preseason to deal with those against teams that have really provided us with challenges. Um I just then feel like in between that though there's another step up though, isn't it? You know, there's obviously Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg and us and maybe even PSG, but then there's a Leon and Barcelona. And the only time Leon didn't make it to the final was in that crazy season, um, where they lost out to PSG, I think, in the semis. So it almost seems like a rare occasion that one of those teams won't make it to the final. And if it's it's if it's so predictable and, and if it's so overwhelming that they just can't be stopped. What well, how do you how do you tackle that? Um maybe we do need Grace. Maybe we need Grace just for that. And and she's our sort of our player to take down teams when we absolutely need them. You know, she's familiar playing against those teams. I think there is a level up, but what I what, what I'm uncertain about is whether we're going to be able to bridge that. I think I have to see us play in some sense in the Champions League, and then I can kind of say, sort of what I I feel. Are you are you? Do you feel more conclusively? Do you know? Well, I I do want to say for you, like you, I want to I want to see it. But mm-hmm. I think that we know because of our hoarding of attackers <laughs> that we have a <laughs> we have a Champions League quality attack, even a Champions League winning quality attack. I mean the the, the amount of players. And the their abilities and just their individual awards and and team awards as well. Um, we know our attack is loaded. We also know now that with the addition of Buchanan, we have a very good central defense. The question was always fullback. I think it's somewhat resolved now. We got you know Parise to you know be on that side. She's a lot more solid than what we have have had before. Capable defensively, good. Um, I think we'll have to see what happens on the left, but, you know, I think there are decent options. I think getting a solid um, fullback was important. I even think that Svitkova can play that role to some degree. He played left wing back a lot for West Ham as well. So we can do some things there. So I think we have addressed those issues. Did we get the, the best talents we could like Ashley Lawrence? No, we didn't get Ashley Lawrence, but we got Khadija Buchanan. And I think that's important. Um, for essential defense. And this is why I really think we're going to do a, a, a three because Buchanan can play as a right back as well um, and has in the past. So she's capable of stepping out 
um, defending wide spaces, um, kind of like a right back. And we know that Magda Eriksson can do the same. She plays sometimes a left back with Sweden, even though I don't love that. She's capable out there. And so I think if you have Millie Bright central and those two on the, on the, uh, beside her on the right and then the left, then I think you have a very strong defensive unit. So I think defensively, we are there. The question has, to me has always been midfield, particularly with the loopholes who should be back um, at some point, maybe later in the season, much later in the season. I'm thinking we won't see her at least until, until at, at the very least sometime in 2023, but she mm-hmm. is having a baby. Um, and we will see Crystal Dunn is training with the U.S. Women's National Team three months after having her baby. I think that is an absurd timeline, but she is that she is Crystal Dunn, uh, and she does these things, and it's kind of wild that you're just like, yeah, that's not the standard, by the way. That's just Crystal (laughs) Dunn being Crystal Dunn. Uh, So I think it'll be a little while before we see loopholes, but I think you got, we need, need, and yes, I'm going to say need, another midfielder. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Walsh, Gayaro, Henri, Oberdorf, somebody—I would love if Don't Oberdorf. Don't tempt me. But I, I, that's, like that. that is not happening. I know, but I'm just saying, like that player. If we, because we, it seems like we have a lot of central midfielders that can, there are players that can play in that role and be very good in that role. Um, just profiles and fitting together, you know, like Aaron Cuthbert. The reason why I don't want her as a straight defensive midfielder is because I think her energy is too important. She needs freedom and license to roam. She's very good at scoring goals, creating goals, but she's also very good at just mucking things up in midfield for the for the opposition, and we want her to have the freedom to go and do that. So to me, the question has always been the center of the pitch. That's why I think if we get Keoro, we're looking we're looking like we're 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 there. Like we could on our best day compete against any one of these teams. And that's what I'm looking to see. So I'll be interested to see who we close, if we're able to close somebody and get them in before the deadline. If so, then I think we're good. If not, then I think we're going to struggle in the later stages of the Champions League. I do expect us to get out of the group stage, but later on we may come across some some problems when we go up against teams with stronger midfields or just more complete midfields. I won't even say stronger because the players we have are good, but they're not complete yet to me. I think that's that's just the best way to say it. We can only wait until the football starts, and not long now. But um, I think I'm just I'm just ready for it to happen, and so we can see it in person. It's just it's just so much easier to talk about the team and to predict things when when the football's actually happening. So one more week, but also in that time, so much can happen off the pitch, and that's just as exciting. Yeah, and so I'll be looking forward to that every day I wake up because I I get I get <laughs> messages I get stuff in Slack and whenever we've signed somebody I have messages everywhere from people telling me wake up we've signed somebody and I'm like okay so I keep waking <laughs> up and I'm sad because I haven't seen that like Gayaro hasn't signed for Chelsea just yet so I'm hoping to wake up one of these days one of these days and see that it has happened so please let that happen if you want to message me if I happen to be sleeping and you're in the UK. And you want me to? And you it, it want to notify me. me? It will be me if if, if we <laughs> yeah. sign if we sign somebody on the level of Goyoro, If it's Oberdorf, I will be spamming you. In fact, I don't I don't know if I have your number. I might just straight up call you and wake you up out of your sleep. Yeah, I was going to say, however you can kind of get in touch with me, please do because uh, I want to be there to celebrate, even if I'm half asleep or fully asleep, or, or <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but yeah, we we will wait to see, and we hope that that happens because it is an area of need. It seems like both Chelsea teams, the men's and the women's, have kind of left midfield as as like the last piece of the puzzle. 
and that's not great. Uh, but hopefully we get our sign, maybe hopefully not on deadline day with hours to go. Let's do it a bit sooner than that, please. Mm-hmm. I would love to wake up sometime, let's say, you know, early next week, you know, at the beginning of the yeah. week and say, hey, you know, Garo's our player. Now we get to talk about what it actually looks like as opposed to just thinking about what it might look like. So that is all that I have for now. Uh, Miriam, did you want to say anything before we get out of here? No, I think we, we talked a lot today and I'm quite happy because there was so much to say, but but yeah, I think I think I've said everything I want to say and just you know I'm ready I'm ready to start watching Chelsea. It's it's not long now. Yeah, me too, me too. I want and I also want to say those home jerseys that shade of blue. Ooh. Perfect. God, yep. I love it so much. Um, but yes, thanks for tuning in. Please follow us on Twitter at Fran Kirby FC. Been a little idle on there recently, but we will be returning with a lot more tweets, a lot more posts. You know, letting you know about the players, what the players are doing, and absolutely. You know, we do try to live tweet as many games as we can. They're usually on while I'm working. So if you're, uh, if you know about me and my work life, um, no, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> just say that. Uh, but yeah, it, we do try to live tweet every game, uh, post highlights and all of that. Uh, please check out our merch store as well. There's a link to it on our Twitter page at Frank Kirby FC. Share the pod, Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere, everywhere, anywhere, anywhere you listen to pods. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I said thank you. Thank you. You're struggling today a little bit with the names I am, and right? words in the English language. You close us out then. What, 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 what oh, do we gosh. usually say? I forgot. Um, thank you for listening to us. Ah, see, you did it too. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>